<sighs> Let's get to it, man. So welcome back to another episode of High Performance Health. My name is Dan Holguin, a.k.a. Rasta Runner. Rasta Runner. Yeah, it's funny about that name is, <laughs> for those that don't know, um, I was climbing a mountain with Brandon Horaho, a good friend of mine who owns uh, Montana Knife Company. It, yes, I hear you. I'm on a podcast. I'm on a podcast. I can't feed you right now. You're going to have to wait, Nikito. <laughs> Why is it that my cat, who's been asleep by the fire for the past hour, all of a sudden, as soon as I start recording, comes up and asks for something? I don't know what, what? I don't know what you need. I'm doing a podcast, bro. You're going to have to come back, all right? All right. So, where was I? Oh, yeah. I was climbing mountains with uh, Brandon Horaho. And, uh... I was telling him about, like, you know, like, over the past few years, I've been on Instagram, uh, you know, but I don't really feel like I'm, I'm contributing in any way that uh, that's meaningful, you know, like, I have another account, which is just my name, Dan Holden, um, but on that feed, you know, for the past while on it, you know, I, I felt like I was just kind of, like, posting just to post, you know, and, um, well, Brandon was like, well, uh, you know, what do you want to do now? I was like, well, I want to find a way to help people more. And he's well, why don't you start a new account? And I was like, well, what should what should I call it? He's like, well, I don't know. What about what about like running Rasta or Rasta runs or what about Rasta runner? And I was like, that's it. <laughs> and uh, you know, so from then on, man, that's that's kind of how like Rasta runner came about. So shout out Brandon Horaho, uh good friend of mine, mountain climber friend, one of my best friends actually. He and I've got some big plans to climb uh Mount Cleveland this summer, which is the tallest peak in Glacier Park. And then also hoping to get onto Mount Whitney next spring, which is in California. So anyhow. Uh, good friend, go check out Montana Knife Company if you haven't already. They make these really incredible handmade knives right here in Montana. Very cool products. It's the one that I ride with uh, anytime I'm out of the mountains. Just really love them. So, so that being said, I'm five seconds into the podcast and already got sidetracked on a little story. So I can see where this is going to go for the rest of the episode. So <laughs> bear with me if it happens again. But uh, now that you're back, I appreciate you for all of the shares and, and the messages that you sent and everybody that just took some time out of their day to listen to the last episode. Um, that really meant a lot to me. I, I got some pretty cool messages from you. So thank you for that. Um, but going into this one, you know, this this actually has been on my radar for a while now. And there's a lot of different ways to approach running from an emotional standpoint to a, a mental standpoint to a physical standpoint to a spiritual standpoint. And the cool thing about running is that uh, you can integrate each one of those into it and have a, a completely unique experience different from the other. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love running so much is because like it's so versatile. And so uh, in a little bit, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the mindset behind running and like how to really prime your, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your body uh, for the task at hand to run. And uh, I want this to be 
you know, a, an enjoyable experience for people. And I think that a lot of times we don't always get that, especially in the beginning when we're new to it. It's hard to enjoy running when there's just so many things going on physically that sometimes it can be difficult to shut off that and, and really just appreciate running for what is in its purest form. So we'll get to that in a minute. But um, first, I, I, I want to start with something that I intend to do moving forward, and that's sharing a passage, a quote, something that His Majesty Emperor Ali Selassie has said. And for those that don't know, Emperor Selassie is uh, a very important figure in in the Rastafari faith. He's the man that we see as the Messiah, as the second coming of Christ and uh, the man who's responsible and our redeemer for salvation in Rastafari. And so I want to share with you something that he has said, um, this man from Ethiopia who has just had an enormous impact in Ethiopia, in African culture, in Rastafari faith. And he said this, he said, our youth must be steadfast and take advantage of the benefits of modern civilization. Do not fall prey to idleness, for it shall be a curse to you and to succeeding generations. You must set yourselves as examples of determination and hard work. Plan your time and use both your physical and mental powers purposefully and productively. You know, and that kind of goes back to what I was just saying earlier with Instagram, you know, because I wasn't using my physical and mental powers purposefully and, and productively. I, I felt like I was just kind of posting just to post. But after reading this passage from Emperor Selassie, this is probably like the top three things that it, that it means to me. Number one is, you know, when he was talking about the benefits of modern civilization and to take advantage of them. You know, I think that to me, this means connection with others through technology, you know, taking advantage of the fact that we have access now to so many different platforms to be able to communicate, to, to, to build businesses, uh, using modern technology to uh, improve our quality of life. You know, and, and here's something that maybe most people don't know is that most Rastafari have Wi-Fi. True story. I mean, we, or at least we're like willing to go out and get it, even in the third world countries, even in like the high mountains of Jamaica, where, you know, my community of people is like, even modern Rastafari will seek out these modern technologies because, you know, we see that there's value to them. But the second thing that I took from this is, is when he was saying, do not fall prey to idleness, do not fall prey to idleness. Here's what I know for a fact. Um, the majority of people listening right now are type A folk. They're the type of people that just get stuff done. They're the type of people who are here to learn something. They're here because they want to improve how you think. You're here because you want to improve how you live your life. You know, there's a lot of different reasons, but you're here because you want to get better. You understand the importance of, of input. You know, the more quality thoughts, the more quality ideas, suggestions that you allow in, the better you become. And it's only when you cut off that flow of input that you start idling. And I think that that can be a dangerous place to be. So when he was saying, do not fall prey to idleness, you know, I think that's what he was talking about. But the third thing that I took away from that passage was when he was talking about planning your time and to use your mental powers purposefully. You know, this to me reinforces the importance of a powerful mindset because, you know, as you probably know, 
whatever is precious to you becomes a priority to you. And if your life is meant to be about service and to find ways to, you know, to help other people, which at the foundation of it, I feel is, you know, probably one of those key things, then we've just got to make sure that we're using our time wisely. You know, it's, it's, it's that currency that we'll never get back. It's that currency that we often take for granted. So we've got to be using our time and our powers and our resources purposefully. So yeah, that was a really cool passage. When I found that initially the other day, it really spoke to me. And, and if that's okay with you, I'm going to continue to share these at the beginning of each episode. But, you know, that aside, um, let's talk about it. So again, talking about the mindset behind running and like how to make this enjoyable for you. So I guess if I was to title this right now, how about this? How about, how about we say... Uh, how to prime your body, how to prime your thoughts, how to prime your mindset for a run. We'll keep it simple. Keep it real simple. Now, when I first started running, um, you know, I had this, uh, this motivation to lose weight. And this was like back in 2013. You know, for those that don't know my story, um, the most recent uh, re-up uh, re on who I am happened uh, in 2013. And it was at this time where I had lost somebody that was um, very important in my life. Uh, he was a, a father figure, um, my best friend at the time. He was my football coach. He was a mentor to me. And, uh, you know, I went to visit him one morning and ended up having to break into his house and ended up finding him dead in his bed. And, uh, you know, at that time, like it really drove me to what you could call rock bottom, you know, like really put me in a bad place in life. And as a result of, of that and me not knowing how to cope with, um, traumatic loss, uh, you know, a lot of things happened in a short amount of time. One of which was that I gained 30 pounds, you know, I stopped really taking care of myself, my body. I stopped caring about what I ate. I stopped moving, you know, and because of that, I, I gained quite a bit of weight. So when I first started running, my main source of motivation was for for me to lose that weight because I was given an opportunity to train my first client after five years of, of not having any clients. You know, so if we're talking 2013, five years prior to that was what? 2008. And if you remember back to 2008, we had that big recession, at least here in the United States, for those that, that aren't uh, from the U.S. listening right now. But there was a big recession here. A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their businesses. I had a brand new business in 2008, which was my personal training and, uh, and, and that tanked. And so, yeah, I hadn't had a client in five years. So I had this like, I had this intrinsic motivation to lose weight, to feel better because I was about to take on the responsibility of, of training somebody else. And, you know, you want to be in shape for something like that. You can't be an out of shape, overweight personal trainer. I mean, I guess you can, but but to me, you know, that's you know, that's out of integrity, right? I mean, like that's that's bad advertising. So I knew I had to do something. And you know, you may be in a similar situation. You know, you may be in a place right now where uh, you're a little bit overweight. You're wanting to get into running. You don't know where to start. You don't know what to do. Uh, but you also may be super fit. 
you also might see running as cardio or, or punishment. You know, there's a lot of people out there that see cardio as like a form of punishment. Um, you also may just be here listening to this or be in a place where you just kind of like see my posts on Instagram and just think of how cool it would be if you could get out and see some of that kind of scenery too. But, you know, whatever that reason is right now, I want you to hold on to it. In fact, I want you to keep it top of mind because I'm going to address each one of those in, in a few minutes. And I got so much to share here, but, but let's start with like the philosophical side to kind of set the stage about running and what it means to me. Um, to me, running is, is magic, you know, in its purest form, I think it's simply just you physically connecting with the earth. You know, it's like, it's like relationship building with mother nature or, uh, you know, in Peru, they, they say Pachamama, which translates to mother nature. You know, it's, it's relationship building with, with Pachamama here. You know, it's a, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a moving meditation. You know, it's a doorway to a more primal state of being, you know, before modern technology, before the concrete, before the, the pavement and the, the automobiles, like, you know, in a way, when you're out there running in the mountains, you're stepping back in time. And I think that's a really special place to operate from, you know, but for me, running is also church. It's a freedom. And I, I think that for a lot of us, you know, running is a gift that we take for granted every day. And what I mean by that is there's so many of us that, that have two legs, two working operable legs with the ability to, to move at high rates of speed. But we just kind of don't do that. We got away from it, you know, and, and it could have been for a number of reasons, but running is truly a, a gift. And it's something that has changed my entire life in a lot of different ways. It's talked me off a cliff. It's, it's, it's taken me from a place of, uh, you know, almost ending my life to a place where I'm at now, where, you know, I'm, I'm 35 and I'm the happiest that I've ever been. And a big part of that uh, was running. In fact, it was probably the initial catalyst for change for me. So, so it's, it's a lot of those things, but I think that also too, it, it takes time to fully grasp that, that, uh, that esoteric side of running, especially when you're brand new to it. You know, when I first started running back in 2013, it was solely just a, a physical experience. Like there, there was no like feel good, hippie stuff, Pachamama moving meditation stuff. Like it was a physical struggle. To, to keep moving because of, you know, like all the variables that go into it. You know, here, here's a perfect example. You know, this morning, just a few hours ago, I woke up in the dark and I drove up to Glacier Park with a friend of mine who is new to running. He's only really ran twice in the mountains in his life. Both times have been with me. And we did a little five miler, you know, and it was a massive struggle for him because of the breathing, because of the elevation, because of the incline of the hill, because of the rocks, the roots, uh, you know, like all of those variables that, that come along with the physical aspect of running. And, 
you know, what, what I kind of equate this to is like running is, it, it's like juggling, you know, and it's like, you've got all of these different pieces that are moving all at once and it doesn't become enjoyable or you really don't get a rhythm with it until you've actually done it a while. And you can get all of those pieces moving in the right direction with timing and cadence. And, and it's only at that point, does it become enjoyable? And, you know, that was my friend Bob this morning, you know, he had all of this stuff going on and it was really difficult for him to really enjoy it. And I remember being about two miles into the run and he was like, man, I'm just upset with myself. I'm just frustrated that this is, that I can't breathe, that my, my low back's on fire, that my calves are on fire, you know, and I can totally understand where he's coming from because again, when I first started in 2013, it was the same way for me, man. Like I, I went directly to the mountains after learning I was going to have this new client. Right. And, um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to run this little two mile stretch. <laughs> you know, remember I'm 30 pounds overweight. Right. So I get up there and I start jogging and I'm feeling good for the, you know, those first few hundred yards. And then all of a sudden, like my body weight catches up with me my, <laughs> my tendons and ligaments and my knees and hips are starting to feel it. It starts getting a little steeper. My breath starts getting a little bit shallower and things really start to sink in that, oh shoot, like I am not prepared for this. And I think maybe that, you know, that first time I maybe got like quarter mile, half mile, something like that. I know that it wasn't very far at all. And to be honest with you for the first two weeks, uh, that's how it was. And that was with me going back there day after day, just being relentless with this, this newfound desire for me to regain control of my health. But not only that, but to really like get good at this new thing, which was running. And so my f beginnings in running were, uh, were humble ones for sure. <laughs> and I think that this is what most of us experience when we first start and I think that it's also the greatest equalizer for new runners, you know, the, the physical limitations. And I think that breaking through that barrier of entry to start enjoy running comes with just getting out there and doing it from a, a purely a physical standpoint. And I think that's what most of us do. But, but what I want to focus on today is how can we, how can we just go out there and do it? But how can we also like prime your thought process to make it good as well? Because I want this to be enjoyable for you. So if we keep that in mind, the question then becomes this. How do I mentally prepare myself for an activity that, you know, I'm probably going to struggle with the entire time? Like, how do I do that? How do I manage expectations well enough to be able to walk away from this experience and feel good about it? So let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about things that I wish I knew about a runner's mindset when I first started, because at the time, like I didn't have any guidance. I was just out there just like slogging up a hill, just kicking my own ass the whole way up. Um, I like to think about it like this. When it comes to mindset, the more tools that I have in the toolbox, the more effective that I can be on the fly. Because as, as a runner, especially an endurance runner, the further you go, the more problems are going to arise. And I know that to be true because I've, I've ran 
70 plus miles at one time. And I know what kind of problems you experience, but, but even at five miles, 10 miles, you know, it's all relative problems will still arise. The key to this is the more tools you have in the toolbox, the more efficient you can be and problem solve on the fly. So let's talk about how to fill your toolbox with some different tools to help make this an enjoyable process for you. Now, there's really like three different areas that, uh, that you can improve your mindset in, improve your thought process in when it comes to running. And the first area is, you know, this area of priming. And I think of priming as all of my preparation before I even get to the trailhead, how I'm preparing my thoughts and emotions and feelings and in my body even for a run coming up. And this is something that I do before every run. So let me share with you a few tools. So number one is happens the night before. And, and really what I'm focusing on the night before is my gear prep, you know, just getting everything ready, having my clothes lined out. I like to, I like to have all of my clothes out either on my dresser or downstairs in my office. I like to have my tights. I like to have my socks. I like to have the shirt I'm wearing, my gloves, my pack, my bear spray. I like to have my knife. I like to have everything in one spot, my bottle of water. I have it in my duffel bag even sometimes. Um, I like to have everything in one spot ready to go. Not because I want to wake up last minute, grab it and leave, but because I know that if I prepare my gear before I run, the night before I run, then I'm already beginning that process of of making this something enjoyable. I'm already setting the tone because here's the thing. You wake up the morning of your run and you're half asleep, tired, and now you're trying to like piece together with a, a foggy mind about what you need and you know you're kind of crabby because you're up and you're like, why am I even doing this to begin with? That sets the tone right there for uh, for a lackluster day in the mountains or a, a, a lackluster day in the neighborhood, wh- wherever it is that you're running, even on the treadmill, I don't care. So when you have everything prepared and you wake up the next morning and it's ready to go, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but you already know, like, it's just a better experience, right? You wake up, you're prepared for this thing. It's one less obstacle that you have to, to work through as you go. So the first step in, in preparing your thought process is the night before it even happens and getting all of the things together that you're going to need, you know, make sure you got a left shoe and a right shoe and they're right next to each other. Make sure that you got your gel packs, make sure that you've got your, your bear spray, or, you know, if you, if you run in the neighborhood, make sure you got your pepper spray or your, your, your knife or your gun or whatever it is, whatever method of protection that you use. Make sure that you have everything ready to go because there's nothing worse than having to wake up the next morning and you realize that, oh shoot, I didn't put the clothes in the dryer or, oh shoot, I don't have any clean underwear, whatever it is, you know, have your stuff ready. Now, this next tool in your toolbox in in terms of priming is the morning of, you know, and if I think back on when I first moved to Montana, actually, you know what? No, it was before that. It was when I was still visiting Montana. 
I was living in California at the time. This was like 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. Uh, I had a cousin, a young cousin who was my age who lived in Montana. And when we would come up, we would stay with him. So in the wintertime, when we would come up, he was big into snowboarding. You know, I, I come from like central coast of California, right? So it's like warm and beach town and all that. Um, snowboarding was his big thing. And I remember every time that we would go snowboarding together, the morning of, we would watch hype films. So like, as we're getting our gear on, as we're having breakfast, like we're, we're watching films on snowboarding to set the tone to, to, you know, to just like get into that mindset of like what we're about to do together. So we would just watch these films and just get real hype. Well, I like to do the same thing when I, the morning of when I'm running too, as I'm getting ready, I'm, I'm watching or I'm listening to something about running. I'm watching a YouTube video, a documentary on running. You know, there's a couple athletes that I, that I really admire for what they do for the sport and their abilities in it. And I'm listening to things that they say, or I'm watching them run up this gnarly mountain. Like this morning, I watched a, I watched a film on Killian Journey, like arguably the, the best mountain runner slash athlete of, of our generation. I watched him run up Mount Everest. And so what's important about this is that you're setting the tone the day of by, you know, feeding that input with something that is going to inspire you. Something that's going to help uh, motivate you in any way something that's going to give you new information or new thoughts or even just something to look forward to as you go to put yourself through this intense physical activity, which is, you know, running. So here's a few that, that I've really been inspired by. Here's a few different ones that you can look up. Um, that one that I was talking about this morning, that, that film is called Path to Everest and it's by Killian Journey. And it's a documentary style and, um, you know, it's got subtitles because he's European, Catalonian, I think, um, path to Everest is number one. You know, there's another one too, that I really like, it's called born to run. And this was a book that was adapted into a movie. But what I love about born to run is in the, in the movie, they talk about this tribe of of Mexican Indians, like Indians from Mexico, from the Copper Canyons region of Mexico, called the Tarahumara Indians. And the Tarahumara are a, a really popular tribe of native people because um, they run everywhere. And, and when I say they run everywhere, I don't just mean like they're like, they're like marathoners or whatever, but their culture is, is centered around running. So when they hunt, they run when they need to get, uh, when, when they need to get a message from one area of the region to the other, they run to that region. These are some of the fittest, healthiest, and most resilient long distance runners in the world. So much to a point that athletes, uh, through the Olympics and in, in America and in Europe, all these places where you're finding high caliber endurance athletes are looking towards the Tara Mahara and they're wondering like, what is it that you're doing that makes you so good at this, at this activity? 
And the crazy thing about the Tarahumara Indians is that they do all of this with very minimal equipment. And when I say minimal equipment, I'm talking about their shoes are made out of tires and they're just sandals. (laughs) And yet they're covering hundreds of miles at a time, almost effortlessly. So there's really something to, to be learned from, from this group of, of Indians in Mexico. Um, but another thing that you can do to, to, to just get like a wide variety is if you just go on YouTube, you could probably just type in, uh, I don't know, running documentary inspiration, and you're going to get a hundred different documentaries that come up. But I would encourage you to look to that before a run the morning of, I think that it can really help as well. So that's another tool for the toolbox. Um, the next one here, this is the one that, uh, I do every run without fail because it makes such a big difference for me. Now, remember a minute ago, we talked about managing expectations, right? Here's how we manage expectations before we start running. This happens at the trailhead. All right. So check this out to manage expectations. We have to set the intention set the intention. So what I mean is before you start, literally like a minute before you start, this is after you're warmed up. This is after your hype, you got your music on or whatever it is you're about to start. Now, how do you want to show up? How do you want to experience this? What is the intention of the run? Are you here just to have fun? Are you here to really push your limits? Are you here to take in scenery? Are you here because you got a boatload of stress on your plate and you want to let that go with every step that you take? Like, what is your intention? Be intentional. Remember what we talked about. Emperor Selassie, I said that in the beginning. He said to be purposeful with your power, your intentions, and your skills. So let's be purposeful here. So set that intention and it can be one sentence. It can be two sentences. It doesn't matter, but set that intention. So for me, my intention this morning was I want to just be able to feel the, the snow on my skin. I want to feel the snow on my skin. And so as we were running, I took my hood down and I just let that snow hit me in the face. And, you know, there's something about running in frigid, cold temperatures that I just absolutely love. It's to me, it's like, it's, it's, it's peaceful, you know, when the wind is blowing and it's, you know, 26, 27 degrees, like it was this morning and it's snowing and it's for most people, it it would be, it would be like a, you know, they'd call the runoff. I find peace in that. And I wanted to highlight that with my intention today. And so I want you to set an intention on the next run that you go on. And I want you to get clear on why the hell you're even out here in the first place. And this is important because as you're running, things aren't always going to go as planned. And if you don't know why you're out here, well, it's going to be easy for you to just, it's going to be easier for you to just, you know, stop running, especially if you're running by yourself. Well, no one's going to see you just turn around and go back to the car or head back to the trailhead and just head home. So I guess in a way, setting the intention is a bit of accountability as well. So set the intention. So these are a few tools that you can use to to prime yourself 
before the run actually starts. Now, what about during? <clears throat> before we get into that, water break. I would encourage you to have a sip of water too if you have it next to you. Water break, water break. <clears throat> All right. Now, during tools for the toolbox, this first one, remember I said earlier, you know, um, running is a, is a, a moving meditation. And to me, meditation, you know, in, in a traditional sense, I guess, is, you know, sitting in silence, blocking thoughts out, allowing your mind to just like be still and be okay in it. But meditation can be a, a lot of different things. It can be sitting in silence. It could be, uh, you know, in the middle of a, a, a cannibal corpse concert, you know what I mean? Like it could be a million different things. You can, you can meditate doing anything almost. And so with me, like the moving meditation piece is important. And in order to like really be able to harness that, what I found that helps me is when I, I don't just stare at the ground. I mean, think about this. When you're running, a lot of times it's like nose to the ground, looking down at your feet, making sure you don't trip over stuff, which is important because, you know, tripping sucks. But but at the same time, you know, look around, look up, look left, look right. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? Turn around. What's behind you? You know, a lot of times like we get stuck just looking at the view in front of us. But if you're in the mountains and you turn around every so often and take that view in, baby, I mean, that's a, <laughs> you're, you're talking about a completely different experience and you can make this an incredible experience every time when you treat it as such, when you treat it as, you know, a moving meditation, when you actually take time to acknowledge your surroundings, when you take time to slow down a little bit even and, and, and look at the intricacies of the bark on the different types of trees that you pass. When you take a look at the leaves and, and you look at the, the veins on the leaves and you, if you see if they're running vertically or horizontally or if they're running out at angles, you know, when you're looking at the different wildflowers on the ground and you're looking at the different colors and sizes and seeing if, if, the, if the purple ones smell or if the pink ones don't, you know, like take your time, enjoy it. Remember what I was saying earlier, cardio and running is not a form of punishment. You know, it's, it's there for your benefits. So take that time to really enjoy your surroundings and appreciate mother nature for the bad lady that she is, you know, <laughs> it just makes it so much better. Um, the other thing here too, here's another tool that I think is important. Running is not punishment. I've said it twice now. This is the third time. I'm saying it three times because we need to, we need to break that, that stigma. You see it all the time. Like I hear people say like cardio is, I don't know. It's, it's dumb, but I'm going to say it anyways, cardio is hardio or, Oh God, I got to do cardio today. Well, when you, when you look at it just like that, of course, it's going to be miserable. Of course, you're not going to enjoy it. But running is not punishment. People who think cardio is punishment will never like to run. So you're going to have to shift your thinking here from, you know, I have to do this 
to, you know what? I'm blessed to do this. Not I have to go run today, but you know what, man? I am blessed to be able to go run today. Because think about this. When you say things like I have to do something, there's a negative connotation attached to it, right? Like, oh God, I have to go run. Oh, I have to pay taxes. Oh, I I have to go over to my in-laws house or whatever, you know? There's always a negative attached to that. But when you shift your way of thinking to, you know what? I'm blessed to pay taxes. I'm blessed to go see my in-laws. I'm blessed to go run. I'm blessed to to be able to to get in this plane and, you know, fly 12 hours across the across the sea to Europe. Like I'm blessed to be able to do these things because you are. I guarantee you right now there was somebody who went to bed last night excited about today and didn't wake up. But here you are listening to me ramble on about running. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're blessed to be here right now in this moment with me or wherever it is that you are. You're blessed to have a working heart, two working lungs, hopefully two working legs. Like you're blessed to have all of these incredible things. And so I would encourage you here to shift that thinking from I have to do this to I'm blessed to do this. And I think that once you do this, running becomes exponentially easier. And like I was saying above, you know, just don't be afraid to to stop and see the sights. You know, as you're running, this isn't punishment. Slow down, check things out. You know, Mother Nature is a gift and her treasures are, are, are all over from the rocks to the flowers, to the trees, to the birds, to the to the sun, like there's all of these different gifts that are available to you if you just take time to see them. So moving on, um, how about when things start to suck? Now, this is an, an interesting time. You know, this is when the feel good kind of starts to wear off. You know, Mother Nature's awesome, but there comes a point where she starts to get a little relentless. She starts to get tough. It starts to get hot. It starts to get steep. Your breath starts to thin out. You're starting to hurt. Cramps are coming on. Like, this is going to happen. So how do you navigate your thinking when things start to suck? Well, you know, I shared this in a recent post. Um, I think this was probably like last week or the week before, but you know, I was, I was out on a run. I was out on a good training run and I was really pushing myself hard and I didn't, I didn't fuel properly beforehand. Um, I didn't eat enough food beforehand. And what ended up happening is I started to bonk. And, and for those that don't know what I mean by that, when I say bonk, I just mean that, um, it really was a, a low point in the run where my blood sugar was low. I was kind of feeling dizzy and lightheaded. And it's in those moments where the the mental side of running really gets challenging when you don't have enough tools in the toolbox. And so what I realized in that moment was that that's what I appreciate so much about running in the mountains is that when things start to get really difficult, the mountains aren't going to coddle me. 
The mountains aren't going to like realize like, oh, Dan's having a hard time right now. I'm just not going to make this as steep for him. Oh, Dan's having a tough time right now. You know what? I'm just going to clear these rocks and these stumps and these roots so that he just has a nice, clear, easy path to climb through. Mountains don't do that. <laughs> mountains don't care if you're lightheaded and dizzy or you didn't eat, right? The mounds will keep it real with you 100% of the time. And they have day after day, year after year, millennia after millennia. And, and for me, like that's comforting to know that in a world where things are constantly changing and evolving and things and people aren't always what they seem to be, I love the fact that the mountains, no matter what, will always keep it real with me. And so... What I'm trying to say with all of this is the mountains are here for you. The struggle that they present is there for your benefits. When things start to suck, it's easy to get caught up in negative thinking like you, you know, you haven't prepared long enough for this or why am I even out here and this is all just a waste of my time. I hate this, whatever. Remember, the mountains are here for your benefit. They're here for you to grow, to learn to experience, to acknowledge. And I think that when we realize that, that the mountains are here for us, it can change everything because there are so many parallels that I've realized from running and climbing mountains and, you know, persevering through the sucky periods that I've applied to my life, which has, has really allowed me to to, to live an incredible life so far, you know, and, and if I'm being honest, a lot of them have come from things that I've experienced in the mountains, those cold days of getting caught in snowstorms and hailstorms, those really hot, dry days getting stuck on a mountain that I'm, you know, just relentlessly climbing at a steady pace uphill uh, with no shade or when I'm out in the desert running a hundred miles, like all of these different things have come from being able to persevere and realize that the terrain is here for me and it's not against me ever. So keep that in mind and, and as a tool in your toolbox as well. But here's another thing. During a run, when things start to suck, one thing that has always helped me that I've always resorted to that I always use is affirmations, you know, and, and, and there's always someone talking about the power of affirmations, but for good reason, you know, because affirmations can be really powerful. And when you use them and you, and you believe them, it can be a complete game changer for you. And so let me kind of share with you like a, a couple different ways you can use affirmations. So I like to choose three words. I like to choose three words that are typically the opposite <laughs> of how I'm feeling in the moment. So here's an example. If, if I'm climbing a mountain and things really suck and I'm really hot and I'm like really feeling tired or really feeling weak or whatever it is, I'm going to choose three words that are the opposite of all those things. And I remember specifically uh, the summer of 20, 2020. I was, uh, I was up in Glacier Park and I was climbing this massive peak and I'd been out in the sun for probably eight hours already. I was about 20 miles into this run and it was just so hot and this, this hill was so relentless. And I remember my three words like it was yesterday. 
I am resourceful, I am resilient, and I am powerful beyond measure. I'm resourceful, I'm resilient, and I'm powerful beyond measure. And you know what? I couldn't run that hill, but I power walked that entire thing for probably two miles straight before I got to the summit. And with every single step and every single breath, I was speaking it out loud. I'm resourceful, I'm resilient, and I'm powerful beyond measure. I'm resourceful, I'm resilient. And, I'm, and I just kept saying this over and over and over. And you know what? You start to get into a bit of a meditation with it because you know that you're speaking these, these powerful, meaningful words out loud and it's fueling you with every step because when you're speaking those words, when you're thinking those words, when you're feeling those words, guess what? Your brain doesn't have time to process the negative thoughts when you're, when you're overloading your system with positive affirmations. It can't do both at the same time. But on the flip side of this, hear me out, your negative thoughts and emotions can become so loud that the good stuff has no way to get in. And it takes the same amount of energy for you to speak the affirmations out loud than it does the negative ones. It takes the same amount of energy. So choose your three words. Maybe you do this beforehand. Maybe you do it in the moment. But have your affirmations ready so that when it starts to get sucky, you have them and you can call on them. Another way that you can use affirmations to your benefit is to, to know your, you know, your core values. And this is something that I've talked about on a couple podcasts with Rob Bailey and Matt Vincent, but knowing your core values, I think is very important because core values in a lot of ways act like the, you know, navigational beacons, I guess, uh, in your day-to-day life. They help you to make sound quality decisions. If you have a choice to go left or right, but your core value says, I only go left, and you have that core value top of mind, chances are you're probably going to go left. But if you have no idea what your core values are or what it is that you stand for, it's probably going to be easier for you to make a choice to go the opposite direction, right? So knowing your core values is important and you can use these core values while you're in the suck when you're running. You know, I have something that I've created um, that I call the warrior ethos. I call it the warrior ethos because for me, I feel like one word that that I think best represents me is uh, I believe that I'm a warrior in a lot of ways. So I call it the warrior ethos And, and the warrior ethos is something that I've created, it's, uh, it's 11 statements. And you know, when things get really difficult, I speak that out loud and it helps me get through those tough moments. And so I would encourage you to, uh, to create your own ethos and what it means to you, you know, and, and I've never shared the, my warrior ethos, but, but I wanted to share it with you here today because, you know, I feel like we're, yeah, we're kind of like a, a tight knit group. You know, I could share it with you. I probably wouldn't share it publicly on social, but you know, I think this is the right setting for it. And so this is my warrior ethos. Let me get a drink of water before I start this. 
The warrior ethos is my daily reminder of my ability to see through mediocrity's thick fog that tries to hold me back from living my dreams. My warrior ethos is as follows. I accept full responsibility and choose to lead from the front. Enthusiastically, I welcome discomfort. I honor myself and those around me. Relentlessly, I pursue my target despite my current position. I aim to extract excellence out of my teammates. Boldly, I stand in the face of opposition. I reject fear and insecurity during difficult situations. Courageously, I speak my truth even when it's easier to blend in with the crowd. I expect my level of commitment to be misunderstood. I detest mediocrity knowing that I'm meant for greatness. And above all else, I shall not flag nor fail. You know, and for those that follow the brand, flag nor fail, uh, you'll know where that's from. And I think that's part of why, you know, as a side note, why I, I align so much with, with that brand that, that Dana and Rob have put together, flag nor fail, because the whole brand statement and what it stands on is the belief that I don't quit. I don't surrender. I don't give in. I'm bigger than that. And I think that when you can remind yourself that in those difficult moments, it can get you through. So I would encourage you to create your own ethos, your own set of core values, your own affirmations, so that you can use them when the time comes. Here's another tool that you can use when things start to suck. This is something that I learned from a friend of mine, and uh, this is called the cookie jar. And the cookie jar is basically, think about like a, 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 a mental jar, right? Think of that this, in this, in your head, you have this glass jar and in this glass jar, all these cookies. And each one of these cookies is a time in your life where you felt really powerful, where you felt really in control of your situation, where you really felt confident. You know, I guarantee there's several of those moments in your life. You may be like right now, well, I don't know. I can't think of many. I guarantee you they're there. You got to search for them. I guarantee they're there. You know, and I can think of a few right off the top of my head. But I have this mental cookie jar because in those moments where things don't go as planned, you start to lose confidence real quick. You start to doubt yourself. You start to uh, you start to lose confidence in who you are and your capabilities. You start to question your your process leading up to that moment. And it's in those moments where the only way to shake that is to shift to a positive place. And to do that, you got to be able to reach into that cookie jar and you got to be able to draw out and remind yourself of those moments. And you got to recall on those situations where you really felt good, where you really felt confident and capable and in control and powerful. So think about this, like if you're, if you're with some paper right now, if you're in front of a notebook or whatever, think about it. What are three times in your life where you've really been in control of a situation? What are they specifically? Write them down. Think about it because being able to draw from the cookie jar is going to help you in these tough moments. 
So when you're in that moment and you draw from the cookie jar, I want you to think about it. I want you to really put yourself in that environment. Think about it again. Where were you? What was it like? Who was around? What was the situation? How did it make you feel? What did you do that helped someone? How did you lead someone to safety? How did you, how did you lead your family in that scary situation? You've got to put yourself there for a moment. And then while you're there, I want you to think about how it made you feel. All of those different feelings and emotions that came up for you that made you feel good, I want you to lean into those. But once you get to that point where you've kind of like hyped yourself up on those feelings, it's not just enough to end it there. You also have to take an action at that point that continues to move you forward. So once you've put yourself there, what's next? How do you take that motivation and apply it to your situation right now? Well, you can start running up again. You could start climbing a little bit faster. You could start reprogramming your thoughts in a positive direction. There's a lot of different ways that you can use the cookie jar and these things that you pull out of it to your benefit, but you have to be, you have to be clear on what those things are in order to be able to use them. So I want you to start thinking about, you know, what are, what are all those things that go in my cookie jar right now? All right. Yeah, Nikki, I'm still on the podcast, dude. I'll tell you what, I'm going to feed you. Just give me a few minutes. I'm going to be done here in a minute. And then I'm going to feed you. We'll snuggle. We'll do all that stuff. Okay. I promise. <laughs> this cat, man, I swear. He's like the most vocal cat I've ever had. Like every time I like walk by him or if he's like laying on the couch or whatever, <laughs> every time I like walk by him or whatever, he'll just start talking to me no matter what. If he's hungry, he'll come talk to me. If I get too close, he'll come talk to me. If he wants me to turn on the sink in the bathroom so that he can drink water, he'll come talk to me. He's funny, man. Let's talk about the last tool that I have for you uh, when things get difficult in the mountains or whenever, wherever it is that you're running. This is something that, uh, that I use quite often, especially on really long runs. Now, remember, you're in a situation where things aren't going well. You're starting to feel it all over. You're cramping. You're dehydrated, not feeling good. I like to do this thing I call a gratitude mile. It's a gratitude mile. You take one mile, or if you're not running that far, maybe it's a quarter mile. It's all relative, whatever it is. It's a section of your run. And I want you to shift every thought that you have to things that you're grateful for. It's very simple. You know what? I was able to wake up this morning. I'm grateful to be able to have legs that hurt this bad. I'm grateful to be able to have a side ache right now. I'm grateful to be sweating my face off. I'm grateful to have this sunburn on my arms. I'm grateful to have a heart that's about to beat outside of my chest. I'm grateful to be able to have all of this. Because think about it, like how many people wish or would kill to be able to have the opportunity that you have right now. We have so many things that we can be grateful for at, in, at any given moment if we stop to appreciate them. And so within this gratitude mile, you know, what are all those things that you're grateful for? 
this kind of overlaps what we were talking about when it comes to inputs. You know, inputs are very important. And when we input gratitude, it doesn't really leave room for anything else. It doesn't leave room for doubt. It doesn't leave room for fear. It doesn't leave room for skepticism. It keeps us on track. So I think a gratitude mile can also be really valuable here. So those are all of the tools that I have for you for during a run, when things are good and when things are going bad. So, so let's talk about tools for your toolbox after the run. And really, this is just about reflection, man. You know, I want you to think about like, reflecting on the highlights, like what, what were the highlights of the run? You know, what made you feel really good? Was it, was it your breath? Was it the fact that your calves weren't cramping up? Was it the fact that you were able to like look around and actually enjoy some of this? What went really well? And then on the flip side of this is reflecting on where you have room for improvement. Take note of the things that didn't go well so that you can address them the next time you're out there. Maybe you didn't eat enough food beforehand like I did. Maybe you didn't hydrate properly. Make sure that you do that next time. You know, when you create awareness around, around these things within running, it makes the next experience that much more enjoyable. So I hope that was helpful. Um, you know, those were just like a lot of, a lot of the things that are my typical go-tos when I talk about tools. Um, I'm sure that I have some other ones, you know, and I'll probably think about those as soon as I'm done here, but those are some of the things that I'm doing. Um, that really make a difference for me, you know, and if running is something that you're wanting to get more serious about, but you're really not sure where to start, I created an entire course, a a video course on running. And in the course, I talk about how to breathe properly. I talk about running mechanics, like, you know, what your arms and shoulders and hips and legs and all that should be doing. I talk about what gear to wear, what shoes to buy, what clothes to wear, how to properly take a, you know, fill a trail pack if you're going to go run in the mountains. I talk more about running mindset. So, so I have all of this, all of this training gathered in one area and, you know, you can access it right now if you'd like, and you buy it once it's yours forever. And the cool thing about it too, is, um, I update it regularly. I'm about to throw in a new training module, uh, next week and you never have to pay for any of the upgrades, which is really cool. So, if I update it 20 more times, you don't pay a dime more and it's yours forever. So it's a really good value, especially if you're just kind of new to this and you want to learn more about it. I definitely recommend you check it out. And uh, you could do that by going to the link in my bio on my Instagram account and you'll see the run video course there. Or you can just go to the website, which I think is just therostarunner.com to see it there too. But uh, again, you know, as we... um kind of wrap this up. Running is a gift. And like I was saying earlier, uh, it's a freedom. And it's something that, you know, we all have the capacity to do. And if it's something that you've been on the fence about, and you've kind of been intimidated by it, I would just encourage you to put some of these things that we talked about today to, to work. Because I think that if you do that, you're just going to make this a much more enjoyable experience and you're going to find that running actually adds to the quality of your life. It doesn't detract from it. It actually makes everything so much better 
And it's just such a, a gift to be able to have the ability to do this. So I hope that you appreciated this. Um, I hope that it was valuable. Let me know. Tag me in the, in the episode if you're listening right now or send me a message. Let me know your thoughts. But also, too, you know, just let me know what else you'd like me to, um, to cover. I'd be happy to, to take some suggestions. I'm always open to feedback from you. And as always, I appreciate you so much for taking some time out of your day to spend it with me here. I'll talk to you soon. Rastafari.